right, it's time for another edition of the Section 113 podcast as the Blazers getting set to take on the Clippers on Tuesday night. And joining me now, the if he's not already, the soon-to-be legend, Noah Eagle. <laughs> Noah, thanks for the time, man. How are you? Oh, well, that's a great introduction. I don't know if I've earned it quite yet, but I do appreciate it. And I'm doing well. It's it's good to be up here in the Pacific Northwest, as always. It's always great to see you and, and actually see you when we chat because that right. means I get to see your, your impressive some might say elite hair beard combo, and that's really yeah. all I care about. Well, as we're doing this on, uh, you know, to peel back the curtain a little bit, as we're doing this over a video chat, I've been dad all day. My beard and my hair is all disheveled. I've got, you know, like, I don't know, all kinds of stains on my shirt from my kids of all, you know, all the stuff that two and four year olds do all day. So, uh, don't worry. I'll take a shower before I see you tomorrow. So we'll, we'll be all <laughs> you see, good, I man. actually think you look great. Stains well, thank you. character. Don't they let do. anybody tell you otherwise. That's it's a good point. Uh, you know, th- this Clippers team has had a lot of character to be built for themselves. Uh, I don't know. I mean, how how long all of these guys are out? And based on what I've seen, it's been in and out for a lot of them. But no Kawhi Leonard, no Paul George, uh, no John Wall. But there's seven guys in the injury report for Tuesday night's game. What's it been like trying to keep this team healthy? Yeah, I think it's been a process, but. At the same time, this team knows that it is a marathon and not a sprint. And you can use that cliche over and over, but oh, yeah. it, it remains true. You look at it 21 games into the season, they're 12 and 9, and they're just two games out of first place, even with Kawhi Leonard playing a grand total of five. Paul George missing the last couple of weeks. Luke Kennard's been out the last several weeks, and he was shooting a very ridiculous percentage yeah. from three once again after he led the league in that category last year. And John Wall's not playing in back-to-back. So you know going into this, and we all knew going into this, that it was going to be that process, and it wasn't going to happen right away. And when you've got a guy as your your centerpiece of your team and the focal point of your offense who had missed essentially a full 15 months in Kawhi Leonard and then another guy in John Wall who hasn't played legitimate basketball in just about two years, and he's going to be a, a big part of what you're doing on both ends of the floor, you knew it was going to be – a legitimate process. So this is just the beginning of it. They know that they have another 61 games remaining to figure it all out and put all the yeah. pieces together. And I think looking at a, a situation like Boston last year, who dealt with so many injuries, so much COVID and everything in and out, and so much uncertainty, go into the all-star break about 500, and they come out at the end of the season as the number two seed in the Eastern Conference. They run through the Eastern Conference and get to the NBA Finals. It's been done before. It can be done again. But health is the wealth with this team and the sure. most paramount aspect of what they're looking to accomplish moving forward. You know, the, the Blazers are in a similar situation with uh, the injuries of Damian Lillard and so many other guys this year, but I saw a quote from John Wall after the last game and he said, Hey, like you said, to be two games out of first place with all the stuff we've dealt with, it's not bad. And the Blazers are similar, you know, 11 and nine Damian Lillard's missed a ton of games, but right now the Western conference is so jumbled up between one through eight or nine even, that nobody is playing great basketball. Phoenix has been playing pretty well lately, but really nobody's been playing great basketball. So how much do you think that helps the Clippers or the Blazers or a number of these other teams that haven't had peak health? Yeah, I think it helps anybody. It just gives somebody and and a team a longer runway to figure out what they do well, what they don't do well, figure out which lineup combinations work. And if you look across most of the conference, it's ironic because you've got teams that actually have continuity and then you have other teams that don't and yet all together they've been jumbled really from the the first tip on opening night 
But you've got a Clipper team that really only adds one piece in John Wall. Everybody else comes back, returns from last year's team. The Warriors return a, a bulk of their production. They lose some, no doubt about it. But sure. obviously the nucleus is still there, and that's a champion. Denver gets a lot of their talent back, but they're returning the majority of their team as well. Phoenix returns the majority of their team. And then you've got new faces in, in different places. So the addition of Jeremy Grant in Portland or what Sacramento has done and bringing in and, yeah. and really integrating Sabonis and Malik Monk and Keegan Murray and you go down that list. And, you know, the Utah Jazz being a surprise to start this season. So I think that it's been a weird combo where those teams that do have a lot of the continuity, they've had some struggles or some issues and some reasons behind it. You look at Golden State and Steph Curry has been great, but Klay Thompson's trying to fully get himself back. Draymond Green and Jordan Poole in that uncertain situation. You look at a Phoenix Suns team that's actually leading the Western Conference. Well, Cameron Johnson goes down with a torn meniscus. Yeah. Obviously, the Jay Crowder situation, he hasn't been there all year. So the continuity factor with those teams is there, but it's not there at the same time. And so I think Portland's in a similar situation as the Clippers and just about every other team in the conference right now. They're just trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And I'd say hopefully by the All-Star break, but most likely before then, we're going to have a much better idea and a much better understanding of where everyone stands within this conference. But it's going to be jumbled, I think, pretty much the majority of the season moving forward. So does that make, obviously Zubats had a great game the other night, but does that make <laughs> Zubats and Reggie Jackson, are they kind of the rocks of this team? Uh, they're there. I mean, Zubats is the rock, I think. Not Dwayne Johnson, but he is the rock of the Clippers for sure. Yeah. And you referenced the game, 31 points, 29 rebounds. It was one of the best performances I've seen in person. Now, we're all still upset that he didn't get the 30th rebound. And right. it was all because he fouled out with about four and a half minutes yeah. left. And Teron Lou after the game said, yeah, you can't be upset. Don't foul him. What are you doing? Let him score. Who cares? <laughs> you know, they were up big and, and he's yeah. probably right. TJ McConnell baited him into it. So it's a little bit of a bummer, but unbelievable performance. He's been arguably the best defensive rim protector in the NBA. If you look at the advanced metrics, he's at the top of just about every list ahead of, you name it, Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid, Giannis, Brooke Lopez. I don't care. It's been Avica Zubats and then all those other guys. So he's been great almost every night. He's averaging a double-double. Reggie Jackson has been up and down, but he's starting to find more of his rhythm. You guys are obviously familiar with Norman Powell. He yeah. has started to figure it out after a sluggish start. And that's been really the biggest jolt in the arm for the team. They've been pretty impressive when he scored 19 points or more this year. They only have one loss, and he's starting to do it on a more consistent basis, getting himself back to the free-throw line. And more importantly, he's making his threes. That was something he really, for whatever reason, he was having some sort of block from downtown to start the season. Now he's ramping back up, and the other the other guys on the team are, are essentially following suit. So he's been a key cog. When Kawhi's been in there, the offense has just looked different. But even without him, the defense has still been spectacular. And that's what's kept them in games pretty much throughout the entire season. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Norm. I wanted to ask you about the former Blazers. Obviously, there there are a number of them, and I mean, you can even talk about Moses Brown and go farther back, Nick Batum. But the other one being Robert Covington, mm. he had a role last year. Obviously, he had the one game where he had the career high, but it, it from a distance, it's hard to see what his role is in this Clippers team. What is it? Yeah, so it's been it's been interesting because the the term that's been coined around Clipper Nation, so to speak, is wing stop. 
That's what they like to call this team because there are so many wings and you go down the list. And even without Kawhi Leonard, Paul George and Luke Kennard, who have missed the last several games, you still have Terrence Mann, Marcus Morris, Nick Batum, Norman yeah. Powell, Robert Covington, and even Amir Coffey, who last year filled in and played beautiful basketball. And even the last couple games has come up with some huge plays in relief of Kawhi and PG. And so just even missing three key guys who've got wings littered up and down this roster. So eventually there's going to be an odd man, man or men, or however many are going to be out of the rotation. And to start the season, it felt like it was going to be Terrence Mann, who I don't necessarily feel like deserved to be out of the rotation. It was just a sheer numbers game. And what happened is Rocco got COVID, missed about three or four games, and T-Man started playing really well, as he normally does, and Teron Luke couldn't sit him. And right. so that's essentially how this has all played out. Rocco, the, the great thing about him is that he's always ready, and he's on the bench. Yeah. If he gets called, he's going to go out there, he's going to perform, and he has already in some efforts in the last couple of weeks. Tomorrow will be another one of those against this Blazer team. You know, he's going to be a guy that's ready to go no matter what, and, and certainly with all the, the injuries that they're dealing with right now, he is going to have to go out there and, and be Rocco. And I think that's always the key for him. When he first got to the Clippers last year in the 20-plus games he played after the trade deadline, he just went out and played. He wasn't thinking. He was reacting defensively. He was menacing at times with stripping balls, and his yeah. three-point shooting was at pretty much a career high at a consistent level. He was taking high-volume shots, making them, if he does that, there's always going to be a role for him. Right now, it's just a numbers game. Last year was disappointing, certainly. Uh, I think it was disappointing for Blazers fans rooting for the Clippers in that play-in game, too. But it worked <laughs> out. You know, he used that pick to get Jeremy Grant. But, you know, Kawhi Leonard's injury obviously changed a lot of things. But you, you look at the the expectations for this Clippers team since they put it together with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and they haven't meet they haven't met those expectations right they haven't gotten to a western conference final they haven't you know gotten the opportunity to play on and keep going so what is the the thought what is the expectation or is that one of those things that it's like okay because of the last couple of years we can't really set expectations well the expectations always going to be championship as long as Steve Ballmer's in charge and yeah. that's been made pretty clear i think from his opening introductory press conference as the owner of the team yeah. he literally fired up everybody saying hardcore clippers and as who is there clipper fans in the house he goes we're gonna win many many more larry's than we've won in the past well yeah there have been zero larry's right this point. right and so yes they did get to the conference final uh without Kawhi, which was a, a first hurdle right that's that first step but that's not the end-all be-all for this team and they've made that very clear it's a very open line of communication with the players with the fans with the staff it's championship or bust every single year no matter who's on the roster that's the goal and if you're not striving for that then why are you playing the game essentially sure. that's that's been their mindset so they've got the coach in place teron lewis has proven himself to be one of the best coaches in the nba yeah. we call him the chiropractor because he makes so many adjustments on the fly <laughs> and, and game the game and that's Pretty just good. what he does that's what he's known for when they're healthy, they've got the talent. You've got, yeah. when he is locked in and healthy, a top five player in the NBA in Kawhi Leonard. You've got as great of a running man as you're going to find in Paul George. And you've got all the complementary pieces around them. But it just comes down to being healthy and being available. Because when they have been, 
And the unfortunate part is when they were two years ago in the playoffs, when Kawhi goes down eventually with the torn ACL, they were playing their best basketball with those two guys together. PG and Kawhi had scored 30 each in the previous two games and leading into that torn ACL, it felt like they finally understood how to complement each other the right way, where they liked it, how to, to play with one another, how to play with the complementary pieces around them. So a lot of those guys are still there. So it, the, the difference, I think everybody was just expecting they were going to pick it right back up when they got on yeah. the court. It's not the case. I mean, when you haven't been together for as long as they hadn't because of Kawhi's injury, it's going to take a little time. The key here is that the learning curve is going to be much easier than it was the first go around because they have gotten there. I, I compared it recently on a broadcast to when you were a kid, or at least when I was a kid, played Super Mario, right? Oh, yeah. And you would always get to that eventual level before you would eventually get to Bowser or whatever. You get to that level where you just could yeah. not figure it out. You couldn't get past one aspect of it, or you would get heated by fire that was flying in, or you couldn't get to the star in time, or whatever it was. Yeah. And then you beat it the one time, and then you would go back and play the game again. It was easier the second time. You got it oh, maybe in two tries versus eight tries. Great so analogy. That's the way I look at it with this team, no doubt. That's an incredible analogy. I might have to steal that from you sometime. Please do. Please I'll, do. I'll credit you for it, but I'll steal it from you. No, Noah what's Eagles mine is yours. <laughs> Noah Eagles, our guest here in the Section 113 podcast. Really appreciate the time, man. Thank you. We'll see you on Tuesday night. Always looking forward to it, man. Looking forward to the hair and beard in person. I'll be I'll be showered, I promise. <laughs> All right, Blazers and Clippers, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock on the Trailblazers Radio Network. Michael Lynch will have pregame for you at 6. We'll see you next time on the Section 113 podcast.